is with you. Let us pray. Undignified God, spirit of dangerous feasts, inviting the unclean to your table. Find us in the far country of hopelessness and greed. Free us from the prison of resentment and envy and bring us back to life. Through Jesus Christ. Amen. This last week was spring break, and our church family was scattered to the four corners of the earth. Chris, the guitarist, went camping in Big Sur. Charlie, our drummer, is in Nicaragua surfing. And as many of you know, my little family went to Italy. We went there to visit Mary Beth's sister, Susan, her husband, and their four kids who were living there for the year, while Susan's husband, Joel, studies violin luthery, the craft of building violins. Both Susan and Joel are professional violinists back home in D.C., they came to Cremona because it is the home of the violin, both the birthplace of the instrument we know in its modern construction and the place where it reached its highest artistic peaks. It was in Cremona that Andrea Amati and his sons and grandchildren built and taught others to build a new type of violin. And it was in Cremona that Antonio Stradivari built an estimated 1,116 instruments, including 960 violins, many of which are considered masterpieces, the high-water mark of instrument construction of any sort. Stradivari made violins from 1664 until his death in 1734, at the age of 93. For his pinnacle of artistic expression, Stradivari was well compensated. He died a wealthy man, as is evidenced by a recently recovered will. His will recounts substantial wealth divided among his many children. Most notable from that will is what he left to his two eldest sons, Francesco and Omobono, who were central to the family business. Francesco, the firstborn, received the business, most of the money, and the templates on which Stradivarius violins were made. The second son, Omobono, received next to nothing. Just the right to use certain tools in the shop. You see, Omobono was a prodigal son. Shortly after his mother's funeral in 1698, Omobono 
suddenly left Cremona and moved to Naples for two and a half years. No one's quite sure what happened. Maybe the father and son had a fight. Maybe he was mourning his dead mother. Or maybe, most likely, he went off to show to sow some wild oats and to escape the shadow of his famous father. What we do know is that after two and a half years in the big, wild, far-off city, the second son returned home. He lived and worked in the Stradivari house for the rest of his life, which was just five years after his father's death. Within a year, his older brother died too. And with that, the era of Cremona as the violin capital of the world ended, for a time at least. It's a family story and a familiar story. It's very similar to the story Jesus tells. Let's take a look at that story. First of all, let's remember that the context uh, in which Jesus tells the story. Jesus is in Jerusalem, the big city, the religious and political capital of Israel, which is occupied by the Romans. The Pharisees, the legalistic Judean religious authorities, have surrounded Jesus and are ready to attack with all of their lawyerly might. They're mad because Jesus hangs out with the wrong crowd. So Jesus tells some parables. The lost coin, the lost sheep, and this one, the story we often call the prodigal son. We call it that, but how does it start? Once there was a man with two sons. This is not just about one wayward son, but about a man, the father. It's a story about the father. In this story, the younger son runs off just like Omobono Stradivari. Maybe he's tired of playing second fiddle to his older brother. Maybe he's a wandering spirit, whatever. He asks his father to give him his inheritance early. This was a huge insult. He asks for the money he would receive when his father dies. He essentially says to his father, you are as good as dead to me. What does the father do? He acquiesces. The father gives his younger son, his inheritance, lots of money, which could and should have gone toward increasing the wealth of the whole, the family, the servants, the livestock. Instead, the younger son takes the money and runs. He goes off to foreign lands and blows all of that money. He spends everything and ends up feeding pigs. For a couple of days on our trip, uh, we stayed at a farm in Tuscany. And on that farm, they raised these pigs called Cinta Sinese. They're uh, 
uh, pigs that have this like band of pink, they're bred with boars. So either side, the front and tail are, are both like blackish, but then the, the central shoulder is, is, is pink, which is why they're called chinta, like, like Italian for belt. But these, these pigs are indicative of Tuscany. And just as those pigs are indicative of Tuscany, so the presence of pigs in this story is indicative of foreigners, non-Israelites, Gentiles who defied God's commandments. The younger brother is a servant in a godless land, and he is starving. He longs to eat the pig's food. It is at that moment of utter desperation that the son remembers his home. I don't have to live like this, he thinks. I could just go home and be a servant on my father's land. Let's pause here and recognize what he does, particularly here in the context of Lent, our Lenten theme. He turns worry into wonder. I wonder if I have to live like this. I wonder if things could be different. I wonder if I could go home and make a better life as a servant on my father's farm. So he packs up and goes home. And while he was still a long way off, This is one of the best details of this incredible story. While he was still a long way off, his father saw him and ran to him. He ran to embrace him. When I was younger, I thought this father must have been just extraordinarily generous, which which he was. But now that I'm a father myself, that moment has a totally different effect Now I read it and I think, of course, of course he ran. Of course he embraced him. This was his son, his child, his baby. What parent would not run to embrace their child they thought was gone? Probably dead. Recently, Amos has been playing dead a lot. He loves uh, taking turns. Like either he'll shoot me and I have to play dead or or he likes to um, play dead, <laughs> just lie down. And uh, when we we're in Italy, he would just lie down in the middle of the street, which is dangerous there, but it was also really cute. Uh, but whenever he does it, you know, he's three years old. And whenever I see him, even though he's just faking it when i see that little three-year-old body lying there i think of the three-year-old curdy child who died on the shore trying to cross into greece and into europe as a parent you would do anything for your children anything to bring your children to life back from death Such is the love of God. Such is the love of the father, the mother, the creator. But hang on. We're not done with his story. Jesus' story. What about the older brother? 
This story is just as much about the older brother. In fact, maybe it's more about the older brother. It's the older brother that prompts the story. The older brother is the Pharisees. The brother gets mad at his father's generosity, just as the Pharisees were mad about Jesus' followers, prostitutes, tax collectors, Roman soldiers, and other losers. Jesus welcomed those people into God's grace. God's grace. That word gets tossed around a lot. Grace. What does it mean? The Episcopal Book of Common Prayer on page 858 of the Catechesis defines grace as God's favor, unearned and undeserved. That's true. We cannot and will not ever merit eternal love. We always arrive on the horizon like a wandering sun. And we are always embraced by love eternal, no matter how vast our shortcomings, nor, like the older brother, how ignorant of our entitlement we are. But that feeling... The feeling of not having enough or not being enough, that is not the point of this work we do together, this God-loved life. The point is for us to be wrapped up in the arms of love, to learn the feeling of eternal love embracing us back from death, back from isolation, back from being lost. The point is for us to know love and like children mirroring parents, for us to embrace others with that love eternal. That love is our masterpiece. It is finer than any violin, any work of art, more precious than money or Italian wine or Russian oil. Love is our inheritance and our legacy. In the final words of his last will and testament, Antonio Stradivari urged his family to stay together. Stay together in one house as a family. It's, it's hard to be family. It's hard to live together. It's hard to love one another. But that is what we are here to do. In and with and through love eternal, we do the work for which Jesus came. The work for which we are made. Amen. The mustard seed this week is to retell this story, the one we call the prodigal son, the story of a father with his two sons, Retell it from a feminist perspective. Tell it replacing all of the characters with women and see how that changes this narrative. 
Have a great week. Trust and hope, we turn our hearts to God in prayer. Come forth and heal all those who suffer in body, mind, or spirit. Give them courage and hope in their troubles, and bring them the joy of your salvation. God of love, hear the prayers of your people. For the good earth, and for the wisdom to live into our interdependence with all of God's creation. God of love, hear the prayers of your people. For the poor and the oppressed, for the unemployed and the destitute, for prisoners and captives, and for all who remember and care for them. God of love, hear the prayers of your people. God, the people of this land and of all the nations in the ways of justice and peace, that we may honor one another and serve the common good. God of love, hear the prayers of your people. For deliverance from all violence, oppression, and degradation. For the good work of this community, may our roles be uplifted by one another as we do healing work in Isla Vista and beyond. God of love, hear the prayers of your people. We pray this week for all who are traveling. We pray for the people of Ukraine. We pray for the UCSB's next quarter. We pray for the rains and for the healing of all who are lost, all who feel rejected, and all who are entitled. For all of these we pray. God of love, hear the prayers of your people. God of love, hear the prayers of your people. All that we have asked faithfully, grant that we may obtain effectually to your honor and glory. Amen. And now we pray the prayer that Jesus taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Peace to love and serve the Lord.